Welcome to The Week to Come with Astrid and Kay, where we will be discussing cultural and business happenings in Scandinavia. Welcome to another episode of The Week to Come. This is the third week of June uh, 2018. And this week, a lot of things are happening in relation to the pagan times. We have um, the longest day. Uh, the longest day in Denmark is recorded as being the 21st of June. And in the top part of Denmark, it is uh, known to be 18 hours and six minutes of daylight. So that's a quite a long time. Yes, and the, the longest day in the year is something that the Scandinavian countries have celebrated since those pagan times. And the Swedes celebrate all this sunshine with a great party outdoors, and they call this time midsummer, because it is the middle of summer. And they have a giant maypole that they cover with lots of fresh flowers, and that's part of the celebration process, is people go there and they put all these flowers on this lovely maypole, and then it's... Um, and then it's put up in the middle of a field. And people also um, take flowers and make beautiful crowns and wear them on their heads. And that's men, women and children. No one is exempt. Everyone gets into the spirit. And uh, and then they uh, they dance around this uh, this giant maypole, which they call the Midsommastongen. Mm-hmm. And they sing songs about frogs. <laughs> and they jump around like little frogs. And again, this is the adults and the children. Yeah. And uh, and it's a very celebratory time for uh, for everyone who's there. And the tradition of a maypole actually uh, originates from Germany. It's not entirely clear when it uh, when it started in Sweden, but today people see it as a very Swedish uh, thing. Yeah, it's very it's, it's very iconic. Swedish. Yeah. yeah, and actually, many Swedish people themselves they think that. It's quite an old tradition. Yeah. Like it's quite an old tradition connected to the midsummer. When it's truly not. It's been around it's been connected to the the Swedish midsummer for about a uh, hundred year plus a little more, possibly. Yes. Well the early eighteen hundreds I think the main mm. connection was made. It's an important part of most Swedes year. Yeah. Definitely. A thing that's happening in Denmark that's sort of the equivalent at least time-wise, and also related to um, being the longest day, is uh, the fact that we have something called, in Danish, it's called Sankt Hens, and it would translate into Sankt John's Eve. For some reason it translates into that, but that is what it's called in English. And uh, what we do there is that we have uh, bonfires, it's an evening event, and... um, most places you will see uh, people burning something that looks like a witch on top. Some places they just do the bonfires, but it's a very old tradition. Why a witch? Um, well, it's just uh, it's an old tradition from back in the 1400, actually in 1430 in Denmark. People started uh, burning witches uh, and then for another 200 years forward. Actually, in Denmark, the first within the first 100 years, about 60,000 people were burned on the fire. Mostly women. Mostly women, of course, because they're most likely to be witches. Yes, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh-huh. 
so um this... yeah so we kept uh, we thought uh as danish people we thought that's such a lovely tradition <laughs> yeah because i mean burning witches <laughs> was happening all over europe at that time and, yeah. and in and obviously later on in, in north america but it's not generally something that people continue to to remember in such a sort of party atmosphere way the only thing i can think of is is in england where we have something called the guy fawkes celebration guy fawkes night which is always the 5th of november okay. and it is really dark and and um very cozy and there's a huge bonfire and do you have a fake witch on, on the fire not a witch we burn a man right. and the, the straw man is uh, is the uh, symbol for guy fawkes he was a catholic back in the late 1500s early 1600s and uh, at the very beginning of the 1600s he was caught trying to blow up the houses of parliament where he believed that king james the first was and uh, the poor guy was uh, literally hung, drawn and quartered. He was uh, tortured and killed. Mm. And uh, similar to the Danes, I think the Brits think, well, that's definitely worth remembering. And there are songs about it and, and poems. And once a year we put him on the fire and uh, also have fireworks because it was a gunpowder plot. He was going to blow up the House of Parliament. So mm. we remember it in that way. It's quite interesting to see that how 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 awful things really can turn into just uh, lovely traditions, family events. Yeah, such as what you're talking about in in the UK and and uh, the Danish version of that, uh, yeah. Saint John's Eve. Which it is such a family event. Um, people don't really drink particularly much. It's a very local right, uh, exactly. family event, and people sometimes they get together and mm. have a lovely dinner together, and then yeah. they go to the local bonfire and they watch the right. bonfire and yeah. people uh, doing speeches and just small talking with one another. We did always, uh, I say we as if I was there myself. <laughs> <laughs> I said we. <laughs> I feel very connected to yeah. my Viking times. <laughs> yeah, uh, back in the Pagan times, we we did have two particular celebrations uh, and one was the summer summertime celebrations to celebrate the the summer and all all the light that was present, and then uh, another uh, celebration was uh, around the darkest time of the year, which is uh, around uh, the twenty first, twenty second of December. Um, which uh, some people also believe to be related to as to when Jesus was born, right. uh, the placement of his birth. Well, that's a whole other discussion, really. But uh, the matter of the fact is that uh, pagan times had two big celebrations, and I think that for the Danes, it sort of turned, it sort of morphed into to this whole thing of killing witches and then sort of doing that uh, folky celebration and continued from there. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, yeah. So we have the the, the Saint Hans, the, the Saint John's Eve in Denmark, the twenty third of June. It is. Wednesday, you said, that Midsummer was really being celebrated. In actual fact, uh, in Sweden, they choose to celebrate and have their party on the nearest Friday to yeah. Midsummer, um, which this year is the 22nd of June, this okay. coming Friday. Mm-hmm. And I would love to say that Midsummer is also a, a, a family and community event, and it certainly is to an extent. 
However, Midsummer is also the day of the year that Swedish people consume the most alcohol, even more than at New Year's Eve. Really? Oh, yes. That's absolute madness. Right. Because New Year's is known to everyone to be <laughs> the, the drinking, <laughs> drinking day. day. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, it beats New Year's, it beats Christmas. It is the high point of uh, drinking for Swedes. And um, Does that mean, though, that Swedish people just don't drink or celebrate New Year's properly? I uh, I don't think so. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I would say it's more that, that the drinking is extreme. Because on, uh, on Midsummer's Eve, the tradition of it has become very much associated with snaps, uh, spirits and beer and, and being outside and, and being very merry. Uh, I think it probably helps with the grown-ups then that they will join in with the singing and jumping around like small frogs that they've had a few at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is that despite these statistics, Sweden has quite a strict um, laws regarding alcohol and alcohol consumption. Mm. Uh, as many of you may already be aware, there's something in Sweden called the Systembolaget, which is the only shop that you can buy alcohol over 3.5% in all of Sweden. When did that start? It was founded in 1955, and uh, and since then it's it's been very strong. And 1955? Some... Mm-hmm. That's not too long after the, the Second World War. It's not too long after the Second World War, but um, Sweden has a very long, complicated history with alcohol. I mean, there was a time back uh, at the time of Gustav Vasa, the king, where uh, he actually took away all rules regarding alcohol um, because it was too hard to police everything. Mm. And what that led to was Swedes brewing their own alcohol at home. They would use potatoes and things that should have really been used for food and cooking and use that instead to make alcohol. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was not good for the for the country as a whole. And, uh, and uh, since then, it's been a, an up and down journey of regulation versus freedom. And, and 1955, we, we land here with the Systembolaget, mm. which has uh, open most days, but not on Sundays and only half of Saturday. And uh, very, very strict rules on uh, on the uh, selling of alcohol there. Um, for example, the Systembolaget, they don't compete with any other company. It's no. just them. They're not allowed to do any discounts or offers on any of their products. So you'll never see, like, buy one, get one free on this beer mm. or, you know, 50% off on that wine. That will never happen. It's also not really a company. It's actually owned by the state, isn't it? This is true. It's actually totally run uh, by the state and government owned. Which seems like me as a Scandinavian as well, but as a Dane, it seems complete madness. And I think it's kind of awful that they have this amount of control. I say that, but I I can see from where they've come. Yes. I think there are a lot of Swedes who would agree with you. It's often a dis- point for discussion, but... Um, Another thing that that is uh, particular to a Systembolaget is that, for example, you will never see beer in a fridge. And that's because they can't be seen to prefer one product over another. So they would have to put all of their beer in the fridge. And that just would be too expensive for them to consider. So you only buy warm beer (laughs) at the Systembolaget. You have to be 20 and above to buy from a Systembolaget in Sweden. And uh, I think people now are starting to see this as as a completely normal way of life. 
uh, I know when I moved here, I was quite shocked. But now I, I just count it into my routine. If I know I've got a party coming up that I need to put, si- as, put time aside to go there. Yeah. And that's just part of the culture. It definitely is part of part of the culture. Uh, I do, as a Dane, find it quite quite shocking uh, <laughs> that it's so different. The thing is, in Norway, it's more similar to uh, what they have in Sweden. They have something called uh, Vinmonopolet, which is the wine monopoly. Although it's not limited to wine, it just means everything that has an alcohol content of more than four point seven percent will be sold in one of these monopoly shops. Mm. You can buy the other alcohol uh, with a lower percentage in normal supermarkets. But in Norway, they have a very strict rule about when shops can sell alcohol. Even the supermarkets who are selling this low percentage. You're only allowed to sell alcohol before 8 o'clock on weekdays and before 6 o'clock on Saturdays. And never on a Sunday. Even the stuff in the supermarkets. So they, they also have strict rules there. Definitely, and in, in both Sweden and Norway, you're going to have to to be a planned alcoholic if you want to go down that road. Where in Denmark and other countries, you'll be you can be a spontaneous alcoholic. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> so we have Norway, who has the Vin Monopolet, which started in 1939. It's also government-owned, government-run, completely. And then we have Sweden with the Systembolaget. But what does it look like in Denmark? In Denmark, we don't have any equivalent to that. It's it's always been free to to buy alcohol and 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 drink alcohol. Of course, we have a, an age limit, and the age limit for consuming alcohol is uh, sixteen. So you have to be sixteen before you drink alcohol. Um, yeah, and pe- people usually go for that limit. I'd say probably yeah. a bit younger as well. But around that age, people start drinking. That seems fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were <laughs> Vikings at one point. That's why it's quite interesting that uh, Sweden and Norway has uh, morphed into these countries with massive... Uh, monopolies. Monopolies within their countries. Within their drinking culture as um, well. But to be fair, um, I really personally believe in free choice. But I can see why uh, Sweden and Norway have chosen to go down their road route as a report uh, from back in 2010 uh, it was noted that over 860,000 people had an alcohol problem in Denmark and it was also discovered that only 77% of Danish people do not drink alcohol at all at all which is a very very little percentage Yes, but then please bear in mind, like I'm defending Denmark now, (laughs) but then please bear in mind that that 7% of not drinking alcohol, that means not drinking alcohol at all. Oh, okay. So it doesn't mean that we drink alcohol all the time, No. although it is available for us all the time. Mm. People, sometimes they have a beer, yeah, with their foods, sometimes... You know, I think it's it's a little here and there. I think it's more similar to the way possibly uh, the French and the Italian drink a bit of wine to mm. their uh, dinner every now and again. Well, there are some people who, who believe that if something's readily available, then you're more likely to moderate yeah. how, you, how you consume it. Yeah. 
And if you would look instead at the Swedish model, where you're really limited to when you can buy alcohol, and then there's a higher chance that you will buy more than you need, because you might be thinking that you'll plan ahead. But then once you have it, you're more likely to consume it, which means that you're more likely to buy more. So from a business side of view as well, you can see that not only do they have a monopoly on the market, but the system below it, even without being able to advertise and promote the drinking of alcohol, are in a situation where people are more likely to buy more. Well, you could definitely argue down that route, for sure. I'm sure that's definitely not there. I'm sure that they wouldn't want us to uh, to see them that way. They're very uh, particular in their adverts, in their advertisement, to uh, promote safe drinking and also have a big focus on uh, on preventing young people from getting alcohol yeah because um, you can be quite young if you like you can start drinking even earlier in in the uk right well in the, the uk is a, is a bit special because they have a rule that you can drink in your own home so with your parents supervision already from the age of five <laughs> which <laughs> but, seems fair to me why not start early <laughs> But the, I think the idea is that they want to they want children to be introduced to alcohol, but have the possibility of being introduced to alcohol by their parents so that it doesn't become a great big mysterious thing. How many households actually do it? I wouldn't like to guess. I would, I would assume not not as many as you might think, but it's not legal uh, to to have a child taste alcohol from the age of five in their own home. So there is from one extreme to the other. <laughs> But I understand that uh, not all Scandinavians stay within their own country to buy alcohol. Yeah, that's right. Um, due to the pricing and just to the... All, all Scandinavian countries have... Um, our coin is called the crown. So mm. You have the Norwegian crown, you have the Swedish crown, you have uh, the Danish crown of currency. And um, due to them not being at the same value... Uh, there are some prices that are different uh, from country to country. So uh, for Norwegians, uh, Norwegians often, if they have the option to do so, they will go to Sweden to buy the alcohol. Oh. So they will just go to Swedish Systembolag and buy the alcohol there because it's going to be way more cheap for them. So they will plan a trip across the border to buy the alcohol from Sweden. Yeah. Sweden... Uh, as many Danish people know, love to come to Denmark, both to party. <laughs> well, that happens a lot. <laughs> it does. And uh, But also, it's way cheaper and better for them to buy alcohol in Denmark because they don't... All they have to do is really to plan their trip, not what days, not what hours, because you can just buy alcohol at any time. That's right, yeah. Um, so their alcohol route like goes to Denmark. And in the south of Sweden, you will find some people going directly to Germany which is uh, the Danish people's route to alcohol because alcohol is way cheaper in Germany than what it is in Denmark. Oh. So although we can buy it everywhere at any time, we can buy much more alcohol in Germany. So that's our route. Uh, me personally, I'm from the south of Denmark. So I've grown up with us going across the border and yeah, everyone I know. I don't think I know any person who's from that area who's never gone Cross the border to buy uh, <laughs> alcohol or Brilliant. or sweets because sweets are cheaper in Germany as well. Are they? Mm. 
So that was the week to come, the third week of June. We talked a lot about the pagan times and how they are reflected in Scandinavia today. To find out more, visit our website at www.insidescandinavianbusiness.com. The Week to Come is brought to you by Inside Scandinavian Business.